Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. And uh, I do it for an audience of real entrepreneurs who are building their companies and kind of coming up with ideas based on what they hear in these interviews. So I'm on Twitter all the time talking to my friends. And one of the companies that they and the founders that they talk about a lot is this guy, Sam Shepler. And the reason Sam comes up is because testimonials are a thing that a lot of businesses are looking for. And when they're looking for testimonial videos, often they realize, you know, most testimonial videos, they're nice, they're sweet, they're well-intentioned, and they're a pain to listen to. They're just so annoying and they don't really persuade because the person is earnest but not clear. There's not – anyway – and what Sam Shepler did with a company called Testimonial Hero is he created a service that does it for companies. They connect with your uh, client in person or virtual. They record the testimonial with them. They add B-roll to it, even if it's remote, to make the thing worth watching, fun to watch, interesting. Um, and so I've been watching him. I've been hearing about him. I think we've been tweeting at each other. And I've been watching his revenue grow. And I thought, I should have him on Mixergy. We've got to find out about this. Because testimonials have been around, people have been bothered by it, but people, but entrepreneurs haven't solved the problem of the bad testimonial. And because he's doing it as a service, not software, I always thought software would solve this problem. And then the other thing that he told me is he's very committed to, well, being okay with not charging a recurring fee. And it was an issue for him to start a business without recurring revenue. And I and I completely understand it. I would have given up on an idea that didn't include recurring revenue. seems like he had some hesitations about it, but he pursued it and it's been doing well. We're going to find out just how well, thanks to my sponsor, HostGator. In fact, if you like this idea and you want to copy, the, not exactly this idea, but copy this format of a, of a service that you can do with uh, software, well, go to HostGator, get yourself a website and build a business on there the way that Sam Shepler did. And if you want to use it uh, at a discount, use my URL. It's HostGator.com slash Mixergy. Anyway, Sam, good to have you here, man. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, absolute pleasure and looking forward to it. Uh, let's see. How much revenue are you doing? Will you feel comfortable saying that? Yeah. So right now we're forecasting for uh, 2021, um, 2.9 million in uh, net sales. Over the last 12 months, would do you know how much revenue you produced? So uh, on a rolling 12, mm, no, I don't I don't know, but- Ballpark it's, it. Yeah. So I would say um, probably about 2.5. We'll do about 750K wow. this quarter. So yeah. And so the problem with services though is don't you have to give most of it to the team of people who are doing the work? So, uh, you know, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're not structuring your services business correctly and you don't have enough profit margins, then, then yes, right? It's, um, that is, it's why, you know, it's key to have, to figure out, you know, your unit costs in the beginning. Make sure you have enough profit margin, at least 50% gross profit margin. Okay. Um, and, and, and then, you know, you actually have, um, you know, en- enough margin to, you know, invest in marketing uh, and pay yourself as well, and, and uh, as a, as the owner. Ah, uh, that's a good rule of thumb. You're saying, look, if you're charging your scale, you're charging what thirty five hundred minimum to record For, a testimonial. Yeah, correct. Okay, so if you're doing, let's say, thirty five hundred, you're saying that at least seventeen of that needs to go to the 
uh, needs to go to the business to keep running. And then maybe the other 17 goes to the team that's recording, editing, etc. That's a good rule of thumb to think about. Why did you, dude, why did you decide to do to do it as a service. I thought about something like this. I've needed good um, good testimonial videos in the past. People are boring. And I thought the solution is to create something that's like a type form. Question comes up, the person has to hit a button on their computer, and then they answer the question. And then the next question comes up and they answer it. That way it would be like interview style. And then the beauty of that is you're recording it on whatever system that you're smiling as I say it. Why? Tell me about the problem with that. Well, I would say, you know, imagine if, you you know, with your podcast, how much of the value is in the follow-up questions, right? So, you know, you know, and that that's really, you know, that that's really, you know, the answer. And the better questions you ask in a testimonial, you know, the better, you know, story you will get. And, you know, it's, it is viable to do sort of, you know, uh, asynchronous, series of questions. But if you want the absolute best, if you want to be able to follow up on, you know, certain threads of the story, just like, yeah. you know, our conversation now is you just lose that in that, you know, fully asynchronous format. Um, at least right now, you know, maybe one day there'll, there'll be an AI that will can do, you know, our, both of our interviews for us. But right now, you know, it's still invaluable to have that, you know, that real conversation, because that's how you pull the emotion out of people. And and obviously, you know, you you know this better than anyone. No, you're right. And when I think about it, I do think about the parallels to interviewing. But the beauty of doing it that way is that you could improve it. You know, you start figuring out what questions work. Even if you can make it 75% uh, as good as what it is now, you're now able to reduce the price drastically and create a software that then people could incorporate into their overall business. And so now you get the recurring revenue, you don't have the people expenses, you're software-based, et cetera, and so on. Yes. And and so I think about this a lot. It's something mm-hmm. that it's something that I would not be surprised that we do um, eventually. But at the moment, um, we're, you know, honestly, like at the moment, you know, our customers are super happy. You know, we have our hands full. We're a bootstrap company. So we have to be very, you know, kind of cautious not to spread ourselves too thin. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. It it is, it is definitely something that is is coming. Um, Because again, not every, not everyone needs, the perfect testimonial. Some people just need a video testimonial period. Um, and, and, and that type of kind of asynchronous capture, um, you know, could be a great solution for those people. Um, where, where kind of cost is a little bit more of a concern and they just need mm-hmm. something. All right. And I, I'm also guessing that by doing it this way, you play to your strengths. You have a background in video production. By doing this way, you don't have to spend a long time creating software. And you can get up and running. By doing it this way, you get really tight to your customer. You learn what perfection looks like or as close to perfection as you can come. And then you can iterate the business or add a component of the business that's software-based that uses everything you've learned and also the money that you've been making without having to you know, take on funding and take forever to try to figure out how to get the software up and running. Am I right? That's that's exactly right, and and yeah, that, that that's a big part of it. Is like honestly, like 
you know, software isn't my background. If it was, you know, uh, you know, maybe I would be, um, you know, pursuing it faster. And I'm sure we will eventually, but you do have to kind of, you know, you have to know where your circle of competence is, I think, at, you know, at, at each in that circle expands. Uh, and, and, you know, a couple of years ago when I started the company, I, I think um, my circle of competence was squarely in services. You know, a year from two, a year or two from now, you know, who, who's to know if, if uh, it won't make more sense. But um, yeah, definitely something keeping my eye on uh, very closely. Okay. One of the things you told me you believe strongly in is tech-enabled services. What do you mean by tech-enabled services? How is Testimonial Hero that? Absolutely. Yeah. Great question. So basically, you know, at a high level, like a tech-enabled service is is taking, you know, a, a service, um, you know, a digital service and layering on um, technology in, in smart ways to increase the efficiency, increase the uh, ability of customers that you can serve and, you know, exceed and kind of maintain, um, you know, that, uh, you know, the actual, you know, product quality. So, for example, a couple of really good, uh, great examples of tech-enabled services are, uh, rev.com. Uh, they do, you know, transcriptions at, you know, massive scale. And, um, you know, you've probably, I'm sure you're familiar with them. Um, you know, and they have real people, um, depending on what service tier that you buy, they have real people doing the transcription by hand, but they're able to service oh, just crazy amounts of volume because they've built this amazing, you know, technology um, both on the internal and the customer side to uh, provide a great customer experience on, on the on the buyer side, but also to basically make their um, you know their internal team like superheroes. So so tech enabled services, you know, a lot of it's a it's, it's a broad uh, bucket in many respects, but like the key characteristics are um, you're making your your team superhuman. It's like the Iron Man suit for your. Mm-hmm. You know, your for people. your team and the people don't necessarily team. see it. You know where I exactly. see it most, Sam? Yeah. I see it in accounting software most. That, 100%. Right? That we don't – we want software ideally to do all accounting. accounting. From what I can see so far, that does not exist. But the accountants could have superpowers like software in the back end that sucks in data from Stripe, software in the back end that categorizes, software in the back end that then pulls the reports and makes them look pu- beautiful. Um, okay. I – I get where you're going with that, but how are you guys a testimonial hero tech enabled? I thought, and this is me watching from the outside, I don't know your software stack, but I thought what you did was Zoom for recording remotely and then you use video editing software. I'm assuming you're using the Adobe stack of software to create it and that's it. And maybe for in person, it's a few cameras and the Adobe video production software. I'm looking at your face, your eyebrows doing a thing like, like you're not buying it. What am I missing? Yeah, yeah, great question. So, you know, well, first of all, I think tech, the whole idea of tech enabled services is, you know, always a bit aspirational in a lot of respects, right? Like mm. we're, it, it's always, and it's really a mindset, right? It, it's, it's a mindset that, you know, is like, if we have a great service, you know, you know, how can we, you know, leverage, Technology, you know, that wasn't around, you know, a couple of years ago to, um, 
you know, do do all the things that we were talking about before, serve more people, scale more efficiently, uh, maintain, you know, the quality. So uh, in our, so so that's one thing, like it, it's, it's a mindset, it's aspirational and you're, you're never quite there, but you're always, you know, hopefully making progress. In our specific case, um, you know, we actually have, uh, you know, some, you know, a, a lot of, you know, off the shelf stuff, obviously Zapier, uh, you can do a ton with Zapier and like automate everything. Like we, we automate everything possible. Like our goal is to. Like um, what? What's, what are you doing with Zapier? So, you know, basically, you know, I'll give you one, like one example, which is just like, as soon as our, you know, editing team, like, you know, steps you know, or, you know, goes, goes to their computer. Like we want their, you know, footage, like ready to edit, like right in front of them. We don't want them like going to, you know, this Google drive folder and like moving it over here and like downloading it. So like, you know, that that's one example is like, you know, the whole process of like sending information, you know, and making sure yeah. it gets to the right people. Um, you know, uh, honestly, like I'm not a Zapier, you know, uh, phenom. Like we have some amazing people, you know, in-house and Zapier is a great product. You know, they make it, you know, you know, very doable. Um, you know, an- another really good example and probably like our most tech enabled example yeah. Is we actually have, um, you know, and first of all, like none of this is stuff like I built. So like I'm trying to describe it like as, as best as possible, but we have this tool that, um, it's essentially like a, I guess it would be categorized as machine learning. It's an internal tool. We have a computer that runs 24 seven, like, you know, running that, you know, just for this. And, and basically we're, you know, taking scripts and we do use uh, Adobe Suite and After Effects, but we have constant, um, I guess like uh, almost like software robots, you know, creating things for us in After Effects in a, in a, in Premiere because that's uh, something you can okay. do actually, you know, you can, you can, uh. you can sort of like, you know, imp- cre- you can run programs in, in, in with software robots and um, you right. know, so, so for, for the minutia, of, of, of editing. We try to automate that as much as possible. Um, obviously that's only a certain part, but at scale, I mean, with thousands of, we literally have over a thousand, you know, testimonials in progress. So like at scale, like automating, you know, really simple things like, you know, animations and titles, like that adds up to a lot of value, uh, when it's compounded. Okay, I'm with you. Let's go back and understand how you got here and how you built this up and then what you learned from the previous business and informed this business and what we can all take away if we want to create a tech-enabled uh, service business. So your previous company was called Skyscope. From what I can see, it was a video production company, right? That's correct, like, yeah. Pretty traditional what type of work video did you do? production company, yeah. So, um, really, you know, we, we would do, um, just about, you know, everything and, and anything, right? Um, mm-hmm. we would do, um, explainer videos, you know, animated videos, product overviews. Um, we would do, and we would do testimonials. And that is actually where I first kind of, um, you know, realized that, uh, you know, the power of testimonials and, and also, my, my personal affinity for them. I, I just love, there's something about the fact that like, this is just, you know, the customer's voice. And this is like, this is not like a script that, you know, we went back and forth on for weeks. This is like actually, you know, pure raw, 
you know, emotion of like how the customer feels and, you know, and actually it's a very different process. And, you know, it's more of like, you know, you get all the content and then you're sort of chiseling um, the story, like, like it's a block of marble and you're kind of, you know, it's more like a subtractive process in a sense. Right. You know? Um, Yeah. And, and that, that personally, I I just like that as a creative person, I like that subtractive process versus like creating like an ad, um, you know, that is, it's a lot, it's very additive. Like you have to storyboard everything and, and, and there's a good reason for that. You know, everything needs to be storyboarded and scripted, but you know, I get it. everyone has, I think, I think all creative people have their natural tendencies. Like I'm more of like that, you know, I like to, to chisel it out from the block, kind of like documentary storytelling. My, my sense is Sam, from having talked to you before we got started was you did a lot of things and it wasn't focused. So you weren't able to have people talk about you on Twitter the way they talk about you with testimonial hero, right? That whenever anyone says, I need testimonials for this, what software do you use, whatever that, I see you brought up. I don't even know if you're the right answer for most people. In fact, from what you told me before the interview started, for most people, you don't even want them contacting you because their budgets are going to be too small or they have no budget. They're looking for a quick software solution. You're the higher end model. But because all you do is testimonials, people are adding you, they're mentioning you, they're talking about you. And so you didn't have that when you were the video production guy. So that was one problem. Am I right? It's absolutely. And that is the power of, you know, I think having like a focused value proposition, especially early on, is like you can actually, you know, you become known for that and you you can build a a tighter story about that. And and you can also kind of you know, you can create demand versus like, you know, if you're sort of a generalist, you're, it's more like, you know, well, what do you need? We, we can do whatever you need versus like, right. We do testimonials and then you're creating demand for that. Um, which I, which is, uh, I, I think is just, just very powerful. I mean, what do you kinda, mean by creating yeah. demand for that? So, um, you know, essentially it's very hard. You can, you can, you can market it yourself and you can, you can sell, you can do outbound sales. You can, you can, you know, do effective demand gen. Like if, if you're a generalist, it's just very hard to do all those things. Ah, um, uh, yeah. You know, because it's like, you know, no one has time to, you know, you know, you can't really reach, you can't create demand with like a generalist pitch of like, Hey, like, do you have any challenges with video? Like, you know, maybe uh, we can yeah, hop yeah. on a call and figure out your challenges and then maybe I can solve them, right? Versus like, you know, if, if you have a very crisp, you know, value proposition, you know who your ICP is, your options to kind of, you know, create that demand, whether it's like advertising to them, outbound sales, yeah. you know, that you just have uh, a lot more options um, and it's just a lot easier. All right. So that was one big issue with the previous company. The other one you said was, I had too many co-founders. What's the issue with having multiple co-founders? So, you know, it's a great question. So, you know, I think it's it sort of depends. And I think it's it's somewhat personal. I think I uh, I personally have really enjoyed, like my, I, my, I'm still great friends with my co-founders and we were friends before. So I think that it, that's also one challenge, right? Is like, you know, that that's something that is, is, is can be difficult to navigate. Um, Thankfully, I think we did a, ultimately did a really good job of it. And I'm actually going to be the best man in, in one of my prior co-founders weddings in December. So like, you know, all's well that ends well. Right. But, uh, I, I think, you know, for me personally, it, I, one of the reasons that I love entrepreneurship is just the sense of freedom and, um, you know, uh, not having to sort of explain myself or, you know, answer to, um, 
you know, and just be able to move quickly and, and you know, have, have, you know, and basic, and another thing is like, since we're bootstrapped, we don't have a board of directors. Like, obviously, if we were VC funded, like, you know, you, that's, that's a different game. And like, that seems like yeah. it would be helpful. It feels to me like one of the problems, and tell me if I'm understanding this right, it seems like with a service business like you had, there wasn't a role for each of you that was super clear. Like if it was the traditional tech company, one of you could have been the developer focused on the tech side of the business. The other could have been the salesperson focused on the, uh, on, on the administration side of the business. With the three of you, it didn't feel like there was one person who sucked at video, but had to talk to customers. One person who had, who sucked at talking to customers, but just wanted his head in the video. Am I right about that? So, um, somewhat. So, so the, we, we had a better mix, I think, than a lot of people. Cause, cause you're right. Like the, the worst, the, what you absolutely, you know, don't want for co-founders is like two people that are, or like three people that are all like the same, right? You want, you know, complementary opposites. Um, we were, we were pretty good. We, we did have some, you know, complementary opposites. Um, I think the, the other kind of like practical consideration is also just like, in, in a service-based business, a lot of your, you know, compensation, you know, comes from, um, you know, as the owner, you know, it's going to be profit share. And, and like, if you have three founders, like you, you basically have to, you know, effectively, you know, yeah. build three times as big of a business to, to get that profit share. Um, so, 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 you know, now we were like 22, we did this from like, we were, I'm 30, I guess 32 now, 31. Yeah. Like, so like, uh, uh, so we were like 22 to 26 when we did this. So like, we, we were just kind of having, like, we were figuring out a lot, like we didn't have high expenses, but like longer term, like now that I have, I have, um, you know, my wife and I just had our first kid, you know, I have a mortgage, like there's, there's very practical considerations around like having three partners in a service business, right? You just have to, you know, build a much bigger Uh, business to make it work. Okay. So, you sell the company, huge exit, decent exit. What kind of exit are we talking about? I would say not yeah, life changing. A, a t- tiny exit. Um, you know, it's. I would say basically like an aqua hire. Um, so mm-hmm. you know we, you know, there got to be. There was a point where like I was just honestly myself. I was just kind of kind of burnt out. Um, and and I wanted to kind of put a bow in, in the experience that we had in, in a good, in the best way possible. Um, and, yeah. and, and I thought, and, and what was, you know, see if we can sell the company. Right. Um, so, so I went out, I, I, I shopped the company to a couple people, um, and, you know, took about, you know, maybe eight months. Um, we were able to, you know, we were able to sell it, um, you know, it was not, not, not a crazy exit, you know, at all, you know, low six figures. So basically just like an aqua hire, the main kind of benefit at the time was like, we got like six figure salaries with the acquiring company, which, which yeah. at the time was like amazing. Cause we were paying ourselves like probably like at that time, like, you know, 50, 60 grand a year. And, and, and so that was like very exciting. And the fact that, you know, we got to kind of have a soft landing for this, you know, kind of, you know, it, we, we started this company during our senior year of college or doing, during actually our, our, our uh, graduate year of college. So it was like kind of our baby and like, we didn't really know what we we're doing. So it was like all, all things considered, yeah. it was like, you know, a solid, you know, single, I would say I'm definitely not a, not a grand slam. Yeah. All right. 
And so you decide, I'm going to get back into business. How did you decide? I guess testimonials you saw before were selling. They made sense to create. There wasn't anyone focusing on it. She said, I'm creating a new agency. One of the things I'm going to change this time is I'm going to stay focused on this one thing. Another thing is it's going to be just me. I don't need co-founders for this. And then you needed to get your first client. How'd you get your first customer? Yeah, so that's a great question. I'm trying to think. So um, very first customer was probably, you know, I think that from my network. Um, that was like super helpful, um, you know, that I, I didn't just try to start like a completely new like I wasn't moving into a into completely yeah. new industry, so I was able to kind of take that stair yeah. step approach, um, you know, and and I think that that was hugely valuable. Like there's there's enough overlap between like the network I, I had made in the past, um, so 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 I think that it was definitely like leveraging my network, um, and yeah and then I think I mean for the for, at first I really wasn't even taking it that like at first I was just like okay like I'm working on a few other ideas like none of them are really panning out so I need to like make some make some money like let's try this testimonial thing so honestly like for the first like couple, like probably six months like it wasn't until like I tw- beginning of 2018 was when I actually like got serious with um, with testimonial hero. And this was you shooting the testimonial videos at first Correct. on your own? Yeah. In the beginning, yeah, it, was, it was me, you know, doing everything. You know, I would, I would even, um, you know, was flying out, you know, packing my video gear, flying out to, you know, film wow. these. Uh, and then quickly, you know, we realized that, um, you know, I realized that I, I, that, that just didn't really scale at all. And, and also it wasn't sustainable, um, you know, really. And, and so I, I had the, you know, uh, idea, uh, and this was honestly pretty early on and was like, you know, what if I could, you know, I, I've been in the production world for, at that point had been in the production world for like six years or, um, you know, and, and how could I like leverage my network to create a network of videographers so that basically, you know, for our customers, they could have, you know, exactly what they want, that high quality customer testimonial video. But without any of the travel fees, um, you know, that were, you know, associated with it. And which I like in my previous job, like sometimes the travel fees like would be like we did a shoot in Venice, Italy for a testimonial at Skyscope. The travel fees were, uh-huh. I'm sure you can imagine, like it was a great trip. It was one of the most, one of the best shoots I've been on. But like the travel fees for the client were crazy. So like I just, I, I could kind of, I wanted to solve that because like it just didn't make sense to me. To keep going that way, you don't you don't use a service like Snapper. Snapper, I think, is a it's a marketplace of photographers. I don't know if they do videographers, but when I came when I did a live event, they sent a photographer over, took great shots. You don't use that. You use a network of your own friends. So you know, so yeah, Snapper, yeah, great service for for photography. I'm I'm not sure I, how much they've gone into into videography, but. Um, no, so we we have we've built uh, yeah we we built our own network because we we want to control wow. it like yeah smart we, we, there's a lot of platform risk that's another to one that... using other people's platforms so yeah really you you had to have your own people so if you needed to shoot in Venice you have a friend in Venice who can go over and shoot video so I mean they're not necessarily our my, my personal friends but you know we've we've 
proactively built but the network. somebody yeah, who you know. know yeah exactly wow and that it's kind of Damn. like uber all right in that's a sense. impressive like, you know uber they they have they train and vet all their new drivers and they all go through an onboarding process and 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 that's kind of the same the same way that that we look at it when we decide we want to start up like a new a new geo um you know we, mm-hmm. we 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 basically if we don't have the people we source them and you know we put them through our through our program and then you know they're they're onboarded and ready to go actually you know what smart shoot was the company that i interviewed it was a marketplace where you can find videographers and photographers it seems to have pivoted now you pay them in order to get access to this network of people that they've scaled they become more like uber for for content than a marketplace of mm. videographers so maybe the whole marketplace of videographers thing is not dependable enough. It didn't That's work. interesting. Yeah, I, I've heard of SmartShoot. Justin, we, I'll check them out. But um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it, it's a tough videography is I think a very has unique challenges that photography doesn't have. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely yeah lots lots we could dig into there. All right, Sam. Let me let me talk about my first sponsor, and I want to bring you into this ad. Okay. Um, it's HostGator for hosting websites. Sam, if someone's listening to this and says, you know what? I really like what Testimonial Hero is doing. It's a service that uses software to add superpower to the people who are doing the service and it scales. If they wanted to find an idea like this, what's, what's one idea that you might suggest or a way of finding an, of a, a way of finding an idea that they could focus on for their digitized service? I would say go on, uh, Fiverr, um, you know, look, in the different service categories and unbundle something that's popular and that you have domain expertise in. Interesting. So anything that's just like a throwaway, almost cheapo service that somebody would want the higher end version of, that's what we should be looking at. That Yes, that that's, that's one way to do it. I think, you know, basically it's like the kind of unbundling, right? Like there's, there's all these, you know, mm-hmm. marketplaces or, you know, aggregators where you can, you know, get, you know, 20 different um, types of, you know, creative services, right? And, and that it just gives mm-hmm. you a good feel. It's a good starting place to understand, like, what are what is selling today, right? Like, um, and then you can sort of see, yep. like, if you go on Fiverr and you look at other categories, that will give you a, a good feel for, like, what people are kind of paying money for. I mean, you could also... Probably Upwork, similar idea. You can look at the categories. Um, however, I can't stress enough, like having, you know, the, the domain expertise is, is, is also, you know, important. So like if, if or if you have an affinity right. for writing, you know, focus on that category. And if you have an f- affinity for design, you know, look in the design category. Uh, and then try to figure out like, how can I put my own spin on it? Okay. All right. I'm actually on there right now thinking what would work, what would work. It looks like what they're adding right now is data processing. They just added a whole data section. And maybe since that's kind of new, we can take a look and see what's working on that platform and see if there's a topic that makes sense. All right. I like that approach. All right. Listen up, people. Whether it's that idea or any of the other ones that I brought up here in past ads for HostGator, when you want to run your business, you need to have a website for it in most cases. And if you need a website that uh, that works, that's inexpensive, that will scale with you, do what I did. Go to HostGator to get your site. My site's hosted there. It's inexpensive. It works. And I've used them for years. I highly recommend that you go sign up. You'll get a low price if you just go to their homepage, frankly, because 
that's what they do. But if you use my URL, you'll get an even lower price. You'll be tagged as a Mixergy customer. They'll take great care of you. And frankly, so will our team here at Mixergy. So to get the lowest price and all that, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. That's hostgator.com slash Mixergy. All right. Um, oh, you know what might be a good service like this is it's like this creating databases for people. And I mean things like in Notion, in Airtable, we are now creating sophisticated databases, but not so sophisticated that we need somebody who's like Oracle level, but we don't want to mess with it ourselves. We just want someone to do it and maintain it. I don't know if that's a thing, but you know, it's an ongoing revenue mm-hmm. opportunity too, but it's much cheaper product than yeah, what you're doing. And we, I mean, we pay someone to um, build like a, you know, a really intense Google data studio for us. So like that, you know, there's another example is like sort of like, you know, yeah, data studios as a service, whether you use, you know, Google Data Studio or Airtable, you know, I think there's yeah a lot of a lot of value that can be unlocked. Um, And and a lot, it's, yeah. I don't know Google Data Studio. What is Google Data Studio? I I think, you know, so yeah so honestly like this is something that i let my head of marketing uh run with so he would he would know more than me but i I basically it's just a really intense way that you can custom visualize any data um so Um, like if you have the data uh, yeah i'm on their site right now you can just build these really effective like custom dashboards for like reporting and such Connect your data sources, bring your data, bring your insights together, then create meaningful visualizations, reports, and dashboards with a few click, and finally easily collaborate and share information across your organization. Wow, I, I apparently I have it as part of my G Suite, and I just never used it. All right, so first step for you was you start doing this, kind of figuring out where it's going. Then instead of flying yourself out, you bring other people in to to do the to do the video. Uh, shoots is it video shoots first or where you bring in other people or editing do you pass on first so the first thing that i kind of looked to get off my plate was at, was definitely you know uh definitely the editing and well also the the, the filming in, in a lot of respects as soon as we built the network you know so so in that respect i got that off my plate but um very quickly you know one person is overloaded with editing um so so that was that was something that I I became overloaded very quickly. <laughs> uh, was just like I was editing. I was on a trip one time. Uh, I was supposed to be on vacation. I had my computer with me in the rental car with my my then girlfriend, who's now my wife, and and she was like, "I thought we were on vacation." Like, and I was like, "I just got to finish this this one thing." So, thankfully, uh, you know, now we have an amazing team, but. Uh, and I haven't, I, I'm not involved in the process yeah, at editing all is anymore. such a bear. It's, yeah. it's just so time consuming. And, um, and I know that their software is supposed to improve it, but no software is going to help you pick out the key sections yet. Um, and then make them fit in together. All right. So you started doing that. Let's talk about getting clients. I know that you want to be a little bit, um, you want to keep some of how you get your customers private, but talk to me about what you can say about how you get customers for a service business like this. And then we'll go into why no recurring revenue and what do you do to make up for that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I would say there's a couple of things that have, you know, really, you know, worked well for us. And one of them is, you know, 
being patient with uh, SEO, you know, and like actually, you know, we, so we started a content, you know, writing practice, you know, publishing uh, like a blog post, a long form article a week. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's just like, you don't see results for like eight, 12 months. And then eventually, you know, the, the, it, you do see results. So, you know, and everyone knows that, it, but it's just so hard to kind of stick through sometimes, um, you know, in, in the beginning. Uh, so, so, so that, that has been, you know, su- super helpful. I mean, organic and SEO. I mean, we get, um, we're up there for all the important keywords. Um, so, so that, yeah, that, that's hugely valuable. Other than that, um, you know, we've really, you know, built honestly like a, a, a pretty effective outbound sales motion. Um, so we have, you know, we have, um, and we have two sales development reps. We have two account executives. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're, I'm just, I personally just really am a fan of outbound sales. When how you how have, do you identify who you can go and, and have your SDRs approach? Is it just the head of marketing? It doesn't seem like there's anyone whose job is to get better testimonials that you could ping and say, we could do a better job than you're doing internally. So it depends on the size of the company, um, you know, you know, and, but at, at typically it's, it's, you know, head of, for us, it's like head of marketing, director of marketing. Um, so it's kind of like that, you know, that mid-level, like even senior manager of marketing at, at bigger companies. And, um, and, but basically I think a mistake that like a lot of founders make early on and, and, you know, in agency, you know, things is they assume that like, Oh, like the CEO is, is going to, you know, or even the CMO is going to be buying my, my service. But it's like at a bigger company, you know, it's way more likely to, to, to that the mid level people are going to be the people you should talk to unless okay. you're selling something that that's like, you know, 50 K minimum. And then maybe you need to hit up like VPs and CMOs. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of ha- how I see it is like, yeah, we like to sell to, um, you know, the mid, you know, the kind of that mid tier and, 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 at smaller companies, it goes above, okay. uh, but the larger the company, the more likely you're going to be selling into the, the mid tier. So it's the head of, head of marketing. I imagine then if you're doing SDR, sales development reps, they are getting lists of people who are heads of marketing, companies that have online experiences. They might be taking a screenshot of what they're doing, might also send some data and say, I see what you did over here. Here's some data of how we can improve if you like this is a sample of what we can do for you, right? Something like that. If we're not going to get into the specifics, am I on the right track? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think the, it, it's, it's funny because like everyone, I think a lot of people kind of discredit like outbound sales and, and, and because most people give up before they, they see. Because uh, it's, it's annoying. Hard. It's, it's it, hard yeah, and yeah. it annoys people and, yeah. and we all get it and we feel annoyed, yeah. but and I hate it, but I also have to accept that it just works when, you know what, I might be frustrated with 20 of them a day. And then there's a one that I go, how do we get this guest to say yes to doing an interview? And it's actually someone who just emailed us, totally worth uh, the, the whole effort. And I could understand why 100%. the rest are doing it. Yeah. All right. So it's yeah. essentially And, and, and it's also, that. there's ways to not be annoying. I think the bar is pretty low. <laughs> like, I think, like, this is good, right? There's so many... You know, I think the biggest issues with like outbound sales and, and when it is annoying is like people are, you know, assumptive in their responses. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they sort of assume that, that you need it and people are trying to be clever and like people are, 
and like as long and, and then some people are just um you know I, I don't know just like too brash right so like it, it's actually like you know uh it's totally possible to do you just have to you know, not do it the way that everyone else is doing it. And just, you know, don't, don't assume so much, right? People, you know, we all get these emails that, you know, it's like, you know, here's my product. Like, what's a good time to talk is like the next thing. It's like, well, I, that's a, that's a pretty big assumption that like, I want to hop on a call right away. Right. So it's like, it's play the long game a little bit more. And, and you know, Ooh, that that's is a good point. I do get that. They want to get on a call. Here's my calendar link. Do you want to book? And you're saying that's not even the, that shouldn't be the next request. What do you do then? What what does SDR ask for instead of that? So I mean, it it, dep- it depends on what you're what you're selling, and but you know, basically, yeah, it's like it's very it's very unlikely that um, you know they they immediately want to hop on a call. So I, you know, I would ask yourself, you know, if if you like, what's what do they actually want, and like give them that, you know, what, what do they need to keep the conversation going. Um, you know, and and go for those kind of like micro commitments uh, rather than pushing for a you know the next meeting. The problem is, um, you know, people are impatient. People sometimes use outside vendors, so the vendor is compensated or evaluated on how many meetings they book, which leads to short termism and short term thinking. So, mm. like, there's all these kind of like uh, you know. It's competing priorities, in a sense, in outbound. So that that's one of the things that makes it challenging, I think. All right. What do you do? You told me before we got started that the lack of recurring revenue in this model kept you from pursuing it all out for a long time. Why do you feel comfortable with it now? What do you do to make up for that recurring revenue loss? So, well, one thing is I don't really, I don't think of it as a loss in a lot of ways. So that is, uh, I've sort of flipped my thinking around that. But um, so, yeah, I think it's a great question. And essentially, I'll just kind of tell like a little bit of my story here and how my thinking has evolved. Like essentially, like early on, I... I thought that, um, you know, you basically like needed, you know, subscription or recurring revenue to scale up a company because that's kind of like the prevailing, yeah. you know, narrative, right? The reality is, th- uh, in a lot of ways, like, you know, as long as you have, as long as you have recurring purchases, like, you know, you're selling a customer, you know, a project, you know, at least once a year, you know, mm. you know, you're, you're, you're going to be fine. And there's actually, you know, might be better. Because here's the thing is like, you know, well, for one, the, there's the the uh, the competition for, for businesses that are a good recurring fit is extremely, extremely fierce. So like, it, it, you know, if you're, um, if you're one of the, the few kind of like service-based businesses that is a truly recurring model, like, like, for example, like a PPC agency, uh, a content writing agency, um, mm-hmm. you know, those are, those have a good reason to be, you know, recurring. They're, they're actually done on an ongoing monthly basis. The, the thing is like competition, it becomes like, you know, you know, you're going to be competing with, with everyone because everyone wants a piece of that, you know, that model. If you can figure out a way to, to, you know, deliver your service profitably and, and actually create, you know, predictability through your marketing, you know, you can, that's a huge, you know, differentiator and competitive advantage. Uh, and you can actually make models work that otherwise like wouldn't even be able to work. Plus, you know, when you're, when you're selling packages, like, and you, and you collect that, that revenue faster, 
like it's way easier to fuel growth. Like, um, you know, monthly recurring revenue is really just putting in many respects, like, it, you know, putting customer is putting customers on a payment plan. You're amortizing that mm. cash flow and making it better for them because you think, but you think it's predictable, but really like you're, you're like f- helping them finance your costs. So like, you know, the cash flow, your, 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 the time that you recoup your, um, you know, your, your cost to acquire the customer is, is spread over those, you know, six months. Then the customer leaves anyways. Cause like, so like basically like my whole thing is like, I think that a lot of digital services would be better, you know, creative services would be, be able to grow much faster and, you know, be more, have much better cash flow if they move to like a recurring package where they sell a package. So they, you know, and then, you know, towards the end of that package, they try to sell another package. And if not, great, no worries. We'll sell another package in six months. All right. I'm with you on that. And I think that a lot of people who create software as a service are trying, should probably be trying to get people to pay for annual uh, packages instead of monthly. And then once you're doing that, you're essentially copying the, uh, the testimonial hero model. All right. Thanks so much for being on here. For anyone who wants to go check you out, testimonial hero, I do think you're also a great follow on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Actually, I don't even know. I just know that I see you on there all the freaking time. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, this has been it's been a blast. My Twitter is uh, at Sam Shepler. All right, cool. And uh, thank you to the sponsor, hostgator.com slash Mixergy. Bye, everyone.